Hi guys, welcome back to Typically Peachy. I hope that everyone's week is going well. What's new with me? I'm making it through the week, as I'm sure all of you guys are too. I'm excited that it's almost the weekend, that this week is coming to a close. Like I briefly mentioned on last week's episode, I've been going through kind of a hard time, me and my family, but we're getting through that. And because of these hard times, I ended up having to go home last week. But a silver lining is that I got to spend a lot of time with my family, which was really, really nice. Have to look for the silver linings anywhere that you can, especially during tough times. Now I'm back in Chicago. I feel like I've been flip-flopping so much, so I am happy to be back. And the only other new thing that I have to share is that I think I told you guys a while back that for my 25th birthday, my family got me a locket. And that was back in November, and I had not yet put any pictures in this locket. I've just been wearing it around my neck. But while I was home, my dad helped me print out pictures that were perfectly sized for the locket. So now I have a picture of my family in there and my boyfriend with my dog. It feels so complete. I'm so happy to have that done. And I love the locket so much more now. I just love being able to keep some of my favorite people so close to my heart at all times. That's really all that's new with me. Like I said, slowly heading forward to the weekend. Just excited to relax and decompress. But before we do that, we have to make it through the next couple of days. And what better way to do that than to continue on into the next section of this podcast episode. So let's get into what's hot this week. According to adweek.com, Old Navy lets TikTok write its spring ad campaign. Old Navy, which has taken to calling itself, quote, America's most democratic clothing brand, has released a springtime spot inspired by a TikTok post. Last November, high school senior Samuel Beasley posted a video of himself in class with the caption, We about to get the most fire Old Navy commercial ever. More than 1,300 users responded with what they'd like to see in an Old Navy ad. The clothing brand's agency of record, the Martin Agency, found Beasley's TikTok and shared it with Old Navy executives and ended up using it as inspiration for the spot. Old Navy said it, quote, gave the people what they wanted and turned virtual commenters into co-creators, creating a commercial entirely scripted by users' social media comments. Indeed, throughout the 60-second ad, comments appeared with directions like, quote, including some kids doing hopscotch, and an old bodega owner, and dads dancing everywhere, alongside the retailer's spring collection. Old Navy is asking fans to tag the brand on social media to share additional ideas for the retailer's marketing throughout 2022. Jamie Gersh, the CMO of Old Navy, said, to be the most democratic and accessible brand, we must listen to our customers and give them what they want, even when it comes to how we are marketing to them. This campaign is just the start to how we'll be bringing accessibility to our customers this year in new and different ways. I think this is such a fun idea. I mean, we talk about all these different marketing strategies, how I think that it's super cool for brands to do things in different ways. And this is just that. And I love the idea of getting the consumers involved in how they want to be marketed to. Advertising gets so much flack. And what better way to appeal to the consumer than to make the consumer a part of the experience? And also think if you gave an idea and then it showed up in a commercial. 
that's really awesome. Personally, it would make me feel way more a part of the brand, which then the idea would be that that builds loyalty, and then I'll want to consume more and more. If anyone wants to get their ideas out there for Old Navy's 2022 marketing efforts, make sure to tag them in your own ideas. Alright guys, that was your advertising news for the week. Next up for what's hot, a little bit of entertainment news. According to Vogue.com, Elle Fanning is the star of your next true crime obsession. From Shonda Rhimes' Inventing Anna, which centers on fraudster Anna Delvey, to The Dropout starring Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes, which, side note, we're going to be talking about that show a little bit later, and the forthcoming We Crashed, which follows WeWork's Adam and Rebecca Newman. There's no doubt that true crime is taking over our TVs right now. But there's another, darker drama that's also on its way. The Girl from Plainville, a Hulu and Star series inspired by the real-life case surrounding the tragic death of Conrad Roy. Some background on Conrad Roy. Roy committed suicide in 2014 at the age of 18. It then emerged that his 17-year-old girlfriend at the time, Michelle Carter, had encouraged him to take his own life through a series of text messages, emails, and phone calls. Carter was convicted of involuntary manslaughter, a decision that provoked heated debates about free speech, coercion, and the limits of criminal responsibility. The case birthed a Lifetime movie, an episode of Dateline, and the HBO documentary, I Love You, Now Die, The Commonwealth vs. Michelle Carter. The latter developed into the pair's complicated relationship, examining Carter's culpability as well as her fragile mental state, her previous attempts to support Roy, and the media narrative that was constructed around her. The director of that documentary, Aaron Lee Carr, is a consulting producer on The Girl from Plainville, which is based on Jesse Barron's Esquire article of the same name. Showrunners Patrick McManus and Liz Hanna have assembled an impressive cast for this dramatization. Elle Fanning will play Carter, alongside Colton Ryan as Conrad, Chloe Savine and Norbert Leo Butts as his parents, and Cara Buono and Kai Lennox as Carter's parents. In January, McManus and Hannah spoke to Entertainment Weekly, and McManus commented on Elle Fanning's intent on telling the story sensitively. He said she did not want this to feel sensational, she wanted it to be an honest portrayal of not just these families and what they went through, but what people are going through in general on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to their mental health. Hannah said, I think with Michelle in particular, there's also a timeline to how we look at young women, how we treat young women in the media, how we take the time later to reflect upon whether or not that was fair and whether or not they were depicted accurately, instead of analyzing that at the time. The official trailer for this eight-part series was released on March 2nd. If you guys are interested, definitely give it a watch. I feel like this is a show that I'm definitely going to be watching. I, like the rest of the world, am very into shows like this right now. They keep me on the edge of my seat and they're so easy to consume because there's only eight episodes. Again, this is going to be on Hulu and it releases on March 29th. I'm sure once it comes out, if I decide to watch it, you will hear my take on it. I am very excited to see Elle Fanning because I feel like I haven't seen her in a while on my screen. So we'll stand by to see how she does. I have high hopes. 
All right, guys, that's it for what's hot, but it actually perfectly brings us right into what's good. Because like I said when I was reading that article, we're talking about one of those mentioned true crime TV shows. This show is The Dropout. Another miniseries, eight episodes total. There are three out right now, but the new episodes come out every single Thursday on Hulu. So there's one coming out today. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, Emma, what is the dropout? Let me inform you right now. Here's your summary. In a tale of ambition and fame gone terribly wrong, Elizabeth Holmes develops healthcare technology that puts millions of patients at risk and loses everything in the blink of an eye. Now, like I said, only three episodes are out right now and another one is coming out today. So I've only gotten to see part of this series. But so far, I love it. I watched it while I was home. It kept everybody awake, which says a lot because members of my family tend to fall asleep when watching things. So this miniseries is very entertaining. This story, of course, I'm sure a lot of you guys know, is a true one. The miniseries, of course, probably takes liberties as all of these miniseries do. Once something like this comes out, I always want to do even more research and also just get the opinion of other people that are watching at the same time as me, some publications opinions. I just love consuming all of the content that surrounds the series. So today I'm sharing a New York Times article with you guys called The Women of the Dropout Want to Humanize Elizabeth Holmes. NewYorkTimes.com writes, In a group interview, the creator, Elizabeth Merriweather, Amanda Seyfried, who plays Elizabeth Holmes, by the way, and the journalist whose podcast inspired the series, Rebecca Jarvis, discussed the new Hulu series about the fall of Theranos and their efforts to reveal the woman beneath the turtleneck. The New York Times describes the series saying, Across eight episodes, the dropout traces the meteoric rise and equally the meteoric plummet of the biotech startup Theranos. Amanda Seyfried commented, I really wanted to trust her. If it had all worked out, it would have been so amazing. Seafried plays Holmes, who founded the failed blood testing company as a 19-year-old Stanford dropout. With a deepened voice and a wardrobe of black turtlenecks cribbed from Steve Jobs, she eventually built Theranos into a $9 billion concern. Theranos claimed that it could run more than 200 tests from a finger prick's worth of blood, which would have made Holmes the kind of visionary that young women women like Seafried could have looked up to, but the technology never existed, and Theranos shuttered its operations in 2018. In January, a California judge found Holmes guilty of three counts of wire fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud by misleading investors. The trial of Sonny Balwini, Holmes's former boyfriend and Theranos's past president, will begin in March. He is played in the series by Naveen Andrews. The Dropout is one of a cluster of recent and forthcoming scripted series, inspired by charismatic entrepreneurs with creative approaches to fact. Because Holmes has consistently denied any allegations of fraud, it is nearly impossible, despite the cover stories, the interviews, the vast documentation, the hours of videotaped depositions, the 600 pages of Holmes and Balwani's text that were released during the trial, to know Holmes's mind and motives. This makes the dropout a series built around a cipher. 
the New York Times notes that no one associated with the dropout tried to contact Holmes. Holmes' attorney, Kevin Downey, declined to comment for this article. Within this article, New York Times interviewed Meriwether Seafried and Jarvis to discuss ambition, deception, and the woman beneath the turtleneck. I'm just going to share a few of the edited excerpts from the interview. New York Times asked, We might as well begin with the hardest question. Who is Elizabeth Holmes? Meriwether said, Oh boy. Seafried said, I think we're still trying to figure that out. Meriwether, That was the engine for the show. She's an ambitious young woman who started a company, and it fell apart. Jarvis, she is an enigma, and very multifaceted. In women, ambition can be a strange thing. Meriwether, even writing the scenes of the things I knew had happened, it was a challenge figuring out what was going on in her head. That ultimately makes the series more interesting, because there are just things about her that don't make sense. The New York Times also asked, the series is called The Dropout. What gave Holmes the confidence to drop out of Stanford at 19 and start a company? Jarvis, while it does sound unusual, it became the archetype of the time. Think about Mark Zuckerberg, who's across the country essentially doing the same thing. It was a moment in time where money started going to young people who were founding companies with audacious goals. You combine that with this deep desire, which she clearly had, to be insanely successful and you add to that people in her sphere who are powerful, telling her to make that move. Seafried answers, I had become very curious about Elizabeth Holmes. I had, on my own, binged everything I could on her. I just, I knew that this was something that I was going to be able to live with for a long time and explore in a completely new way for myself as an actor. Somebody that's here with us and living her life. It felt like going to college, this job. Meriwether added, it was so much research. Seafried said, I mean, I bought a book on microfluidics. I sat and watched and listened to those deposition tapes. I re-listened to The Dropout. I listened to an audiobook version of Bad Blood. I just didn't stop, and it never gets old. I felt like I was absorbing her. Another question asked, at some point, you had to decide what motivated her. What was it? Seafried said, belief. Our imaginations are wild if we exercise them. I chose to just, as this character, believe in everything. And when I was told that something wasn't true, I doubled down. Two more questions I'll read from the New York Times. Where is the line between wanting to understand her as a person and even sympathize with her at times while remaining clear-eyed about what she did? Meriwether answers, Actually, I don't think of it as a line. It wasn't my job to make judgments, to make pronouncements. I don't think that's good storytelling. If you can sum it up in a sentence or so, then you shouldn't spend hours watching something. Last question. Obviously, this series is based in fact and relies on extensive reporting. How free did you feel to imagine certain scenes and situations and to invent dialogue? Meriwether says, The amount of time that I've spent on the phone with lawyers has really rocked me. There's a lot of information about some parts of it, and there's almost no information about her relationship with Sonny. In the places where we didn't have information, I felt like I had freedom. Jarvis adds, And then there were the text messages. Meriwether, After years of trying to imagine what those conversations were, we got dumped with all of the actual conversations in the middle of filming. But yeah, I really tried to do my research, 
because there's an enormous responsibility when these are real people in the world. Seafried rounds out the question. At the moment, we had been shooting for two and a half months. I had been playing her for so long. To be privy to these conversations felt surreal, and to be adding them back in to enhance the show, it was a weird twilight zone at that point. I personally think it is so interesting to hear from the actor, the creator, and the journalist just to hear their own opinions and takes on this story because they're the ones that are helping make this come to life. Of course, we've discussed on this podcast before that it is incredibly tricky to do a story about people that are still living or even to do a story about people whose ancestors are still living. In my opinion, it is very unlikely that Elizabeth Holmes sees this and thinks, oh, I love my portrayal in this, or anybody else involved with the story for that matter. But I do think that they're trying to do their best to humanize her. Not sure if it's the right thing to do or if it's the wrong thing to do. Incredibly tricky material to be working with. It's one of those things where if it had worked, it would have been phenomenal. But it didn't. And it's a huge bummer that it's this female founder that really did seem to have good intentions, but who are we to really know? We don't actually know her motives, we don't actually know what she wanted to do with this, and like we've seen in real life, if you have followed this at all, things that she did were illegal. So I don't know, and of course there are a lot of things that are very dramatized in this show, that's kind of what makes them fun to watch, I think, but also it does make me wonder, where are the success stories of these women? You know, like, where are the ones that succeeded without fraud? I would really like to see a show like that because personally, when I watch these shows, I want there to be a happy ending. I want them to succeed. But knowing the ending, because it happened in real life, we know that they don't. But even comparing it to Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook story, you can watch a movie like The Social Network, and even though that really painted Mark Zuckerberg in a bad light, his company still succeeded. I want the female companies to succeed too, okay? And there are a plethora of them out there. So here's my call out to the creators out there. Please create a show where we're seeing the success story. Not saying these aren't fun to watch. They really, really are. But again, every single time I watch, I'm not craving a bad ending. I'm craving a good ending. That's just my personal opinion. Take it or leave it, as always. If you guys have not seen this show yet and you want to check it out, Again, it's on Hulu, and even after that whole little rant, I would still recommend it. Like I said, it kept everyone awake. Last up for what's good, your songs. Like I told you guys last week, I wanted to recommend Elliot's song to you from Euphoria, but it was not yet on Spotify, so last week it was an unofficial recommendation. But this week, it's official. Elliot's song is now on Spotify, so I added it to the playlist. That's what it's called, Elliot's Song, and it's by Dominic Fike and Zendaya. And then the second song for this week, Marathon by Koala. Check them out on Typically Peachy, What's Good playlist on Spotify. That's it for What's Good. Let's round out this episode with need-to-know basis. This week, you guys, the topic wholeheartedly came from recent experience. Like I said... My family has been going through a lot lately, and one thing, one moment that really helped us was just getting us all together to have a great meal. A meal 
can really do a lot. I know that that kind of sounds silly to say, but there's so much more to it than just food. Don't get me wrong, the food is great, but there's also laughter, memories, both sharing past ones and making new ones. The power of the meal really brings people together. And it's something that I firsthand saw this past week. Sometimes for that reason alone, I think, man, Emma, you should learn how to cook. Then maybe you can create these moments even more. But then I remember that at this stage of my life, I don't like cooking very much. And I'd rather just be a participant of the meal eating instead, which I'm great at. Know your strengths, everybody. But anyways, my point in all of this is that life can get really hard. And moments happen that you really wish didn't. But when those happen, eat with the people that you love. Let it reground you. Let it bring you to a place where you're not ignoring all that's happening around you, but instead being grateful that you're able to have moments like this together, even under really bad circumstances. Cherish every meal, every moment, every chance you get. In those times, throughout those meals, you can feel the most like a unified team, just trying to get everyone back on their feet. So feast on that. Feast on team spirit. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that everyone has a great rest of your week. Say something nice to a stranger. Spend some time with the people that you love. Tell the people that you love how much they mean to you on the daily overshare as much as you can when it comes to that take the time to have a great meal and don't forget to stay peachy my friends